0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic community. My name is Matt, and joining me,
1: as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. The kids in school used to call me the Wizard. The Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 201, aka Start at the Beginning, is brought to you by Chang Consulting Risk Management you probably want to go another way.
0: Pete, here we are, International Women's Day, March 8th, the premiere of Jessica Jones season two. Wait, is is that today, Pete? Um, is it today?
1: Well, I mean, if you're listening on uh, March 8th, 2018, it is, through the magic of the internet, you could be listening later. Oh, okay, because there was some confusion online
0: as to when Jessica Jones dropped. But, dear listeners, you know today is the day. With that, it's time for some surveillance. Let's see what the episode was all about. (laughs) Jessica Jones is back, taking cases small and small like rafi the cheatin pizza delivery guy but she's no killer despite having killed Kilgrave last season best friend trish is still around too having donned the wig of patsy to sing at a birthday party and get more information on jess's past malcolm is still not fired keeping jessica on track with red bull in the morning and potential clients booked all day including a weirdo nicknamed the wizard who says he can run fast new to the series is price cheng who runs a fancy PI firm and wants to absorb alias investigations. He doesn't take no for an answer, and if you can't join him, he beats him. We also meet Wee Vito, the boy downstairs, and his rugged father Oscar, who has machismo. Not sure how you feel about Jerry Hogarth? She's winning an award, pretty good for a girl, pretty good for a female attorney. Both sexist points of view she hopes to see end. Not ending is an issue with the affair she had with Pam, her former secretary, who's off-screen but suing. Jerry is confident there's no problem. After all, she's got all that RAND money coming into the law firm, right? Law partners? High five? No? There's also pressure on Trish from her boss, Ian. Ratings are sliding. Can't she bring in more, you know, supers and action-packed stuff? Trish can give pressure, too. She gives Jessica an old package, a box with the ashes of Jessica's parents and brother, from 17 years ago. Find your past, Jessica. It's a season-long story. Trish leaves, but is watched by a hooded man huffing on an inhaler. Jessica wakes from dreams of her family's death to an empty bottle. Jessica also sees that Cheng has sent her a package, his life story the wizard briefly interrupts, but no story there, right? Jess revisits some information she had dug up on Cheng, cut to her having found Felipe, the missing doggy, for one of Cheng's clients. For that, Cheng recaps her life and gets smacked. He tasers her and gets put through a glass door, but the police have been called, and Jessica is called the weakest human Cheng has ever met. Trish bails out JJ, and Trish's boyfriend lives tv journalist and british handsome man griffin sinclair together they're a celebrity couple cut to hogarth yelling at her current assistant about moving a, an appointment with a doctor seamless story seating when cheng arrives he's hogarth's new pi but he wants to sue jessica jones with hogarth's help in a later scene we see but do not hear that the doctor has some very bad news for hogarth cut to jessica alone opening her door but the whizzer legit whizzes by. Someone wants him dead. He takes the pills they send him, the ones that prevent him from being a monster. He inadvertently throws some of those family ashes and runs. J.J. catches up with him by jumping out of the window. Did IGH do this? He'll never say. Construction materials happen to fall on him. In the office, Malcolm arrives, lovingly cleaning up the ashes of Jessica's deceased brother. They go through the whizzer's bag, finding... 1200 milligram pills of clozapine time to find a manufacturer since there's no doctor nor pharmacy on the label that takes jess to igh international garments and handling a front she breaks in there are signs of violence and it reminds her of an old memory perhaps medical experiments memories of her being injected too the episode concludes with jessica saying we were made here me Wizzer, something else The only way to find it is to open the door wider. What suspects draw our focus this episode? Pete, where do you want to start?
1: Let's start with Price Chang, Matt. I don't get a real good feeling. We're not meant to get a real good feeling about this guy. And then come to find out he was working for Jerry Hogarth, who wants... Jess back for some undisclosed reason at this point.
0: I love the entire presentation of this character, even though I know he's supposed to be a villainous threat. I don't know that he's the big bad. I I wouldn't be surprised, Pete, if we get halfway through the season and all of a sudden they're now compatriots in arms, but I love how, how, I mean, look, he's not in a ton of scenes, but here he is. He makes a point. He's always punctual. He speaks so professionally. He's kind of dressed, you know, business casual casual you know the the short sleeve t-shirt and whatnot but the inclusion of the tattoos i don't know if the actor has them or if it's just added for the character but there's something that you really buy that he is uh, a, a cutthroat kind of corporate pi you also buy that he's someone who built his reputation up out of nothing no powers and just a fascinating character
1: you hit it on the on the tattoos i was gonna note the same thing there's kind of this you know, just not quite right aspect to it. And, you know, we're we're so used to Jessica and wearing her, uh, you know, torn heart on her sleeve and to see this other presentation of this seemingly slick, cool PI that's got the bigger firm that's trying to bite into her business uh, strikes in stark contrast to that.
0: I think even, too, Pete, with Philippe the dog, it's <laughs> vaguely floated, you know, that maybe, maybe he's not as great a PI as, uh, well, as our Jessica Jones. That said, I do understand there are laws against things like breaking and entering and stealing things like that that would prevent a more reputable uh, PI from stealing Philippe back. Um, I had wondered, too, Did he? did he intentionally try to agitate Jessica into getting beat up. I don't know if that's going to be something as we, as we move on through future episodes. Although fair is fair. He got beat up. Darn good.
1: He did. And as that's going on, I'm like, wait a minute. All right. So first she throws him around. Then she throws him to the window, through the window, through the door uh, with the glass. And I'm like, all right, but uh, he tried to tase her. And then you're like, Okay, she's going to get in big trouble here for what's going on. Um, and again, like you said, probably not that big bad, but what Terry Chen brings here is a level of dislikability that is needed in a
0: role like this. Yeah, he's just wonderful because, as you say,
1: he's disliked
0: or, or dislikable, but also there's a certain degree of sympathy to him, Um Again, with just these little lines to sit and say, you know, to suggest he's built this business up out of nothing. He doesn't have special powers to use or not use, or to to garner him favor, to garner him jobs, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. Just a really, really fascinating character out the gate. Particularly since we do have this thirteen episode arc, we do have a sense, of course, that they're setting up many things for future episodes. They're not going to reveal, you know, they're not going to reveal the central big bad here. Uh, so whether it's, whether it's, uh, Chang or not in the future, it's a, it's a wonderful introduction here. And he's this episode's villain, even if he's not going to be villainous in the future.
1: What about Trish's boss, Matt, though, he only appears in one scene. I feel like there's some setup coming. I feel like pushing her out of. You know, the the thing she wants to do and, and here talking on International Women's Day where a woman in business should be completely free to pursue the path that she feels she wants to. That is right, as opposed to this, you know, not so important lifestyle stuff that Trish is not passionate about.
0: I suspect that the series would be poorly served if they're setting up boss Ian as, you know, a, a, as a louse, as put put the hand on her knee and that sort of thing. And, and I don't think we get any of that in this episode, but I'm just saying if there is some no good to come from him, I think it's possible I kind of couldn't watch that scene of, you know, hey, I'm here to cheerlead. Let's also talk that ratings slide. Hey, can you, you know, superpowers are super great. Can we do more of that? Got to get that ratings boost. On the one hand, I'm sympathetic that they are creating a commercial talk show and they do need to drive the ratings. And Trish is not on, you know, NPR or WNYC, the, the, the public radio affiliate in New York. I'm sure that this, this is commercial talk and there does need to be that glitz, that glamour. The flip side is, yeah, I think there is that potential to act as more than, oh, say more as uh, more than uh, Ellison, who you know, who's over at the uh, at the the New York Bulletin newspaper, for, you know, in the other shows to kind of. What I'm trying to say is, there's more potential than just to say, "Oh, go get that story." There could be something mysterious going on here. Uh, flip side: if we finish these 13 episodes, and he's just like, "Oh man, I'm sure glad that you." did that great investigation into IGH, I think we can go there too. So not not black and white in his villainy, at least just yet.
1: And that's, I think, as I'm about to bring up another one, there seems such a gray level to these characters that we have that we're looking at as quote-unquote villains, threats, etc., that to put jerry hogarth on here particularly with whatever she's going through medically right now i feel conflicted and i think that's what this show does at its best
0: Uh, well i mean first of all how long were we going to remain sympathetic to a lawyer like jerry hogarth i mean yes she did swoop in and largely uh save the day uh at least in terms of danny rand and all, all that stuff that we've seen in uh in uh the Rand portion of the defenders arc and and Iron Fist and all that, but she nonetheless is a is a really great lawyer for a reason. She's completely cutthroat. Uh, I mean, with all due respect to our lawyer listeners out there, I think there's a certain level of manipulation that you have to have as a lawyer, and. Um, we see a bit of that here, particularly as she's getting this award for being this stalwart lawyer and this wonderful example of women in law. That's the that's the 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 celebration that they're at. Then she's reminded by her peers, "Oh yeah, we basically just bought this award for you to make the bad news go away." And then she's saying, "Yeah, but I bring all this Rand money to the to to the law firm." So there really is this gray area in terms of what are her motivations? Does she want to just be the hotshot lawyer? Is she out for some sort of revenge? I think, you know, she is completely blind to the notion of there being a sexual harassment problem, that she did have this affair with her immediate, uh, you know, her immediate uh, underling in Pam. Um, so I think there's tons of gray area there, too. It would break my heart if they made Carrie and Moss a baddie, but I think there's the potential.
1: One of the knocks on the Marvel Cinematic Universe film side is that they have a villain problem. That aside from Loki, uh, Black Panther's Killmonger, really kind of forgettable villains. I think the thing in particular that the Netflix corner of the Marvel Cinematic TV universe, we got all these subdivisions here, (laughs) uh, does In these runs where, you know, whether it's Fisk, whether it's somebody we're even now considering in a Hogarth, they make them really human. I mean, even Kilgrave last season, terrible guy. Yes. But you felt for the way he was created, not for what he became. And uh, here Hogarth uh, and we're going to get to her partners, Chow and Benowitz here in a minute. But that. Uh, she's she's dealing with some undisclosed to this point more than a uh, a cramp medical issue, and she's struggling to fend off her partners who are at odds with her. We've got Pam from season one, her ex fiance, who's now suing them for harassment. How very timely, there, Matt. Um, and. Yeah, I, 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 just, I'm really interested to see where she's gonna be. I, I don't want to dislike her, but I don't trust her.
0: I appreciate too, from story perspective, that whatever her ailment is, the camera does not let us into it. It's shot through mm-hmm. the closed, the you know the, the the glass walls and the closed door. Uh, now that could be revealed early on in episode two, if you know, this doesn't need to be a season long mystery is my point. I just really appreciated that traumatic presentation of, you know, we don't need that cancer diagnosis or, or whatever it might be. Um, we don't need that right now. You just need to see that it completely washes over her face and is this terrible, terrible thing.
1: Absolutely. So with Chow and Benowitz there at the, uh, the luncheon, the, the women in law, uh, luncheon, they've, they've, been complicit purchasing this award to rehabilitate um jerry's image uh split coming matt i don't know they they seem cast in a in a different light than her and there seems an adversarial nature amongst the partners
0: it it certainly would make for a great season storyline to take hogarth the the rock star lawyer of the three and and throw trouble into that, into that partnership. I, I, I think there's tons of story potential there. Contrast that with whatever personal issues she's going through. And that's great character stuff. It doesn't need to constantly be, you know, gangpan. It doesn't need to be these things, which have been wonderful. It doesn't need to be the endless resources of the hand. I think one of the things that really distinguishes Jessica Jones as a series is it's much more, it's much more personal across the board.
1: And then lastly, this, if we're going to go black, if we're going to go dark, this amorphous IGH industrial garments and handling, Matt, even the name invokes fear.
0: <laughs> well, that is just a front, don't forget. But they do appear to be fronting a monster. That, that is mentioned by the wizard. Is, is the wizard a monster? Is he being prevented from being a monster? There's monsters out there. We even see in jessica's memory of things and i suppose that that's subject to some interpretation in in future episodes but there there appeared to be a monstrous figure uh battling with her in her memory uh from her experience at at the igh uh, facility so they're doubling down on the idea of a monster is out there Now i don't know if it's going to be a monster in you know, uh, Star Trek no kill eye form or if it's going to be a monster in, you know, kind of this this mashed face that we saw. But (laughs) Pete, the lady doth protest so much. And the show said monster a whole bunch cryptology, where we uncover hidden messages and larger themes. Pete, where do we begin here?
1: With Jess's missing time uh, when she was hospitalized, we knew going in one of the central mysteries for this season is, is going to be Jess's origin story, how she got her powers. And I love that Patsy has seemingly lowered herself <laughs> to to don the wig again and uh, Trish to the rescue, trying to be the, the superhero best friend that she is doing that for that uh, uh, couple and uh, singing at the birthday party, struggling the whole time with it to get the files and to find out, oh, it's not everything she needs, but there is this missing time.
0: Shades of Ghostbusters 2, you know, lower yeah. to working children's parties. But the episode, let me put it this way, Pete, some of these Netflix shows at times first you know, can be a bit plotting or you're like, you know, There's maybe not the clear story momentum always. We get that here. We get it repeated, and I'm not saying over-repeated, but we get it repeated time and time again, the mystery of Jessica Jones's past. Uh, So clearly setting up this, this, this roadmap to say we are going to investigate her past and find out more about her. As I said in our preview episode, I feel like that's the way to go. So much of season one was defined by her villain, her tormentor, her, her assailant with Kilgrave uh, out of the way. And yes, you know, rumors of David Tennant showing up. I don't think it's going to be back from the dead. I think it'll be memories or on tape or, or you know, a, a drunken haze, that sort of thing. But um, she cannot be continued to be defined by Kilgrave. Let her be defined by herself and her past as she gains understanding of herself.
1: Who, Matt, inhalered sharply as Patsy left. Who did she see through the revolving door? Was that Will Simpson in the hoodie?
0: Pete, mine eyes thought I spied through that revolving door. Will Simpson, indeed. Um which I think is a wonderful addition. Uh, you know, his character was mysterious uh, and, you know, going from the dependable square-jawed cop to something deeper in the first season. And then, oh my goodness, we've connected it to, uh, you know, to a comics character uh, of sorts uh, or, you know, a, a version of a comics character. And I, I'm, I'm tickled pink to, to, to have the idea that he will be back in some sort of form add that mysterious inhaler is that somehow superpowering him or is that keeping him alive uh, alive is he the monster all great story potential as we uh pete we only have 12 episodes left to the season
1: well remember back to season one the time that trish took the uh the red pills and she didn't have the blues to come down from them uh, she struggled to breathe. There was the whole rigmarole that, you know, your your brain and your lungs won't communicate and you'll suffocate. He's got this inhaler here. He's covered up. Is he free of these uh, meds that Kozlov had given him? And is he surveilling this to, to try to do the right thing, to try to protect Trish? Or is he still out of control as we last saw him? It, it's uh, going to be interesting. I think I'd rather
0: have him as a bad guy, at least uh, at least for the first half. You know, you want to do second half redemption? Sure. I got nothing against actor Will Travail or travel Will Travel Will travail. <laughs> Um, Regardless, I, I mean, he he was a really really fun character and a really really fun presence. Um, we just don't need to have the the mini team of Jessica Jones heroes coming together quite yet. Let's get some let's get some drama in the interim.
1: How about uh, Trish's new beau here, embedded reporter Griffin Sinclair,
0: square-jawed, handsome Brit, uh, <laughs> making up a you know a, a New York Newsarati uh, couple. So pretty. Um, I, I, I thought he was just a great addition. I like that we see a certain level of stability in Trish. We know that she's been able to straddle the two worlds of kind of you know that celebrity talk world obviously she's a former celebrity uh, herself from her patsy persona um but i like that she's off to the literacy fundraiser but stopping at the police station to help a friend it does the character justice to have that kind of stability do they go somewhere with story potential for it make griffin a bad guy maybe you know not everything needs to turn into Something, you know. Again, reminder of when we were at the uh, the New York Comic Con panel for season one. It's, oh man, that's that's Trish Walker. She's Patsy Walker. She's gonna become Hellcat. It's gonna happen. Not everything needs to be a thing. He could just be a presence there to to complement her storyline, not to be his own storyline. Time will tell.
1: Jerry is sick. We don't know with what. Jess has been experimented upon medically. Do we need to connect the dots, Matt, that maybe that's why she's interested in bringing Jess back into the fold and getting some elixir to heal herself?
0: I think that certainly is possible. Slight shades of uh, of Sigourney Weaver's presence in the Defender All Defenders right. miniseries. Um, but nonetheless, I think that that's certainly that's probably the most likely direction for the time being um because chang won't you know won't cross lines he won't break and enter but jessica jones will that's why you know peak can jerry simultaneously hire jessica jones and sue her on behalf of uh, (laughs) uh, of someone else i I think the answer is probably yes i think that that's more than
1: don't don't count jerry hogarth out in in any way shape or form absolutely the wizard, Matt, the the second most likely of Jess's cases early in this episode for us to discount, you know, the the lizard lady Illuminati thing notwithstanding, um, you know that he turns up being actually powered. He turns up being uh, somebody who's telling the truth, and he befalls this tragedy just just connected to these types of cases all the time um and and then the connection at the end with this monster this seemingly burned one-eyed thing that she struggled with at some point um whatever igh is up to yeah some some nefarious and mysterious stuff
0: i i love the inclusion of the the little wizard story arc uh because of course we discount him uh and, and then to find out that he's actually not just for real and hammering home there is this threat out there and does you know leave the pill bottle that's gonna gonna get uh you know a manufacturer address and so on and so forth but you know he feels he has narrowly escaped innocuous death in the last week or so then what do we see we see where he was running to that's where the construction accident is then it hits him where he's at so I mean to me that's just story sign that yes people are out to get him who else are they out to get and and there's your larger big bad the big faceless question mark let's check our mail drop here's what you have to say
1: Matt from Greg Gear on the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, he writes in, glad to hear you're sticking with the tighter format you used with the Punisher. I think that works better with a streaming show when you are pumping out episodes more frequently. Can't wait for JJ and the Fantastic Geek podcasts to start.
0: Well, we are absolutely glad to be back here on International Women's Day. So glad to have Jessica Jones back. Pete, we wouldn't want to be anywhere else.
1: Absolutely. He had I had just followed up with him and and said, you know, thank you for the the kind words. Uh, we didn't take the change lightly as far as switching over to this this format, but the bingeable nature really informed the switch. As always, we'll aspire to the highest caliber. And he affirmed that for us. He said, Would you always achieve smiley face? Oh,
0: very, very nice. Pete, speaking of uh, speaking of being here, there's there's a there that's been on social media that you can actually go there, too.
1: Yes, very uh, interestingly and kind of vague ish. Uh, was sent via Facebook uh, an invite for the Alias Investigations Grand Reopening. And it was done in a way that it was uh, a a physical place. Indeed, there is an address, 485 West 46th Street, New York, New York, 100363510, in case you're looking for it. And... uh, on Facebook, Matt is a little unfamiliar with that. So I'll explain it to him and uh, particularly to anybody not on Facebook. You know, you could have a birthday party and, you know, I could send Matt an invite and it would say going on shore or, you know, can't go. So I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go uh, j- just to see what was going on here. And uh, Malcolm has been updating things. It seems from Jess's office over the last like 36 hours I've been following this. Uh, longtime listener and friend of the Fantastic Geek podcast, Matt, uh, Jamie Patton, uh, then followed up with me uh, having seen this and uh she she asked uh, any idea what this event actually is. I'll be in the city for a conference Thursday today, so I'll probably check it out either way. Also going to something else. Uh, I'm not going to disclose her her other business here, Matt. But uh, maybe it'll be something uh, we can we can talk about a little bit later. Uh, but your strong Facebook RSVP commitment to the event makes me think you know more. Um, and I, I, I told her, I said, uh, you know, I believe this is just the series return, but, uh, who knows what, what else they might be doing. Uh, Matt, you've noted before how strong the, uh, the social media game is. I mean, there's not a better Twitter handle in the Marvel cinematic universe than the Jessica Jones one.
0: Well, certainly a mysterious bit of uh, social media uh, usage there. And yeah, the way whoever it is who runs that account, I mean, they're always constantly in character. Uh, I've even sent a DM, you know, because at Jessica Jones follows Fantastic Geek said, hey, you know, it's absolutely awesome what you do. And, you know, I'll just get the the thumbs up or the glass for cheers or something like that. So it's not even behind the scenes where where they break character so it's absolutely <laughs> absolutely fantastic anything else on your plate pete
1: well jamie uh followed up with that and she said uh my co-worker and i are going to wander over to the address assuming the wezer- weather isn't terrible and for those not in the tri-state New York New Jersey Connecticut area uh, that don't know we got hit with a second nor'easter in eight days yesterday and we're kind of digging out from that not so bad near us but a little more heavy towards the city and parts north Um, and she continues so here's hoping I'm not just talking or or taking a walk for no real reason uh, especially in the opposite direction uh, either way, uh, maybe I'll catch you guys, Jamie says.
0: Hey, you never know. We had a ton of fun with Jamie at uh, at Madison Square Garden during New York Comic-Con time. So you never know what mysteries abound in the Big Apple there. Pete, all season long, we will be bringing you Jessica Jones Analysis, and that's made possible by everyone who supports us at patreon.com slash fantasticgeek
1: absolutely matt uh you know jess has malcolm we have our wonderful patrons to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash fantastic geek everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content and uh you may really want to be on there uh the next little bit for something special uh, but we're so glad that we have these people.
0: Well, Pete, let's keep this Jessica Jones conversation going. How can people be in touch with you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter, K E T E L A A 9829 followers. Can't be wrong.
0: And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast any way you like. Visit FantasticGeek.com, email FantasticGeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and especially Instagram in this day. That's all the, the only hint I'll give. Uh, where of course, we are Fantastic Geek. But wait, Pete, there's more.
1: There is Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. The place to be like it today.
0: We, of course, will be back On our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, talking the big 100th episode, we'll have more Jessica Jones goodness soon, maybe even sooner than you think. Fingers crossed. With that, Pete, I'll say adios to all our
1: listeners and give you the final word. And someone has to champion tolerance.